<clears throat> Hello and welcome to the 32nd edition of the Two Black Trinity Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, Chris. And um, today we have a special guest with us, Crystal. Um, she's one of my friends, and we will be discussing The Legend of Korra. So, did it drop on Netflix maybe like a month ago or so? Maybe a little more than that? August 14th, I believe, was the date. Yeah, it was It was announced pretty quickly after Avatar, Air, mm-hmm. after Airbender was on Netflix for a while. So, we figured it would be a good idea to have an episode talking about the show. So, um... Chris, did you did you have an idea how you want to start it off? We're going to go season by season, or likes and dislikes. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think we can go by season by season and do likes and dislikes um, out of each season, and then you know do an overall wrap up. Um, season one, uh, I think, started off very, uh, very well. Um, you know, you have to establish the universe where we been you know 70 years after the end of uh the last airbender um and you know cora is obviously a very uh strong bender in terms of being an avatar she's very uh confident in her abilities but it's very evident in, like the first five minutes of the show she is incredibly sheltered and has no idea what the real world is like which is sort of in contrast with the viewer, we have no idea what this new world is like either. Um, so yeah, so you have a very good villain in Amon, also a good secondary villain in Tarlock. Yeah, no, that's her dad. It's Tar. It? No, it's Tarlock. It is Tarlock. Tarlock, okay. the council guy. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, Tarlock. Um, and um, you know, you have a good supporting cast in Asami. Tenzin and his family, Lin Bei Fong, uh, Bo Lin, not Mako, uh, and uh, Mako is just the worst. I'm just sorry, he's just terrible. He is pretty Uh-oh. bad. And uh, yeah, so it, it told a very good story. Um, before we, you know, get through any specifics, we talk about likes and dislikes for y'all as well. Okay. Um. Crystal, do you have any thoughts about Korra season one? Anything you like, anything you didn't like, et cetera, et cetera? Um, uh, Chris, to your point, too, I didn't think about how, like, Korra was very sheltered in the beginning. And it's interesting seeing that considering Aang being a monk, being an air mm-hmm. nomad, was also very sheltered, but was still... Um, still had like a lot less hubris and was um, I think they are both like so excited about this new world and they both come at it at very different perspectives as well Mm -hmm. Um, I do really like Tarlock more as a villain than um, Amon actually Mm -hmm. Um, just because like uh, with Tarlock it was almost like um, it was very, what's the term I'm looking for? I don't want to say conceited, but he almost was as proud or prideful as Cora was, mm-hmm. but even more of a master with water bending. So he definitely did a ton more damage than Cora could just because Cora was like, I'm the avatar and I can do everything almost. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'll, Crystal, to your point, I will say, Korra, this is just a general topic, they had a lot of kick-ass waterbenders throughout that whole show, yeah. and, like, no one really thinks of, I mean, you had bloodbending a little bit in Airbender towards, in Airbender towards the end, but, like, Korra, they definitely, I think they did probably the most for waterbending out of, out of all the elements, as far as just making them, like, more lethal, you know? I would say, yeah, water and then in second, earth. Because um, earth, you get lava bending. With the lava bending, yeah, that was new. And and we'll get there. But, yeah, but water bending, you had, you know, more prominent blood bending in the first season. And um, and then you get to season two. Um, but I think, you know, Crystal, your point about Tarlock being a, a better villain, I, was, I, I, I think I can... Um, agree with that and it would have been more it would have been interesting if him and Amon were actually working together because you know Amon had his goals and Tarlock had his goals and they were actually working in concert together for a while until you know Amon was just like yeah I'm gonna take your bending away now <laughs> um, so, um sorry I didn't mean that no go ahead um they do that flashback scene with Sokka Toph and Aang um, during, what was Tarlock's dad's name? Yakon. Uh, Yakon, yeah. Yakon. Don't judge me. I, I'm that... good at these things. <laughs> I mean, you did recently see it. Um, is that how Sokka died? Because I don't remember if they ever touched on how Sokka died. We don't know. Yeah, Sokka we don't know. We, we don't even know who he, if he married anyone. So the the creators, Bright, um, they said at some uh, some con that you know Sokka and Suki got married and moved to the suburbs. So that is the quote unquote canon right now. Um, They're bullshitting. Sh- they they don't know. Yeah, I'm sure we'll find something out um, later, probably in one of the Avatar graphic novels if they play with the time skip. Um, or maybe a flashback in a Korra novel or graphic novel. Um, but I think one thing uh, that these um, that we get to see in season one that we don't really see in the other seasons is we do get to see, you know, uh, Aang as a fully realized avatar, you know, as an adult um, and how that connects to the show. Um, and it connects because Aang had to deal with Yakone and Korra has to deal with his sons and Noatak and aka Amon and um, Tarlock and you get to see how they both, Korra learns from Aang and she finally makes it all all the connections um, and I think that was a good way to start off and I think they knew it was, they were planning on it being a self-contained story so that's why they did that um but I think there is a lot of animosity from Avatar The Last Airbender fans. And they're like, you just gave us this and you didn't give us more. You should have gave us more. I was expecting more, especially because they didn't do like the spiritual connection until the very last episode of season one. Mm-hmm. And then um, she doesn't really have too many other Aang insight moments. I mean, due, kind of due to what happens in um, season two, but... I still was expecting a little, a little bit more um, adult Aang. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel about pro bending? I really like the announcer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the idea was really good. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that Avatar World would have something like that. Um, I don't, I mean, it's just, it's weird that, like, Pro Bending was such a focus in that first season, and then afterwards, they're just, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was just a MacGuffin. Yeah, I guess so it wasn't really a MacGuffin since it's used more throughout the show on season one, but. You mean, like, a like a plot device? Yeah. Because that's how she yeah. met... Isn't Pearl bidding how she met Mako and Bolin in the first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And technically it's Sami. Yeah. It's true. Um, and I think it's interesting that, you know, I, I always thought that as powerful as Bender as Korra was, we only really see, like, one instance where she's, like, wiping the floor with someone as a waterbender. And I was just like... I, I would think she would be able to do a little bit more. Like, granted, she's not; she can't go into the Avatar state yet, which uh, I think is sort of a failure on both the white, mostly on the White Lotus. I'm like, you couldn't find someone to teach her that well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that she got washed. I mean, and I think this is a recurring theme in the show. She got washed by too many regular benders. She lost. Yeah, she got. They beat up on her a lot. That didn't happen in Airbender. Nearly as much, Mm-mm. but they're like mm-hmm. I don't know. I watch a lot of anime, and there are certain shows where the main characters are beaten up on a lot. You know, mm-hmm. so like some people use that as a critique of Korra, but I'm like, there's definitely a lot of show like a lot of like shonen anime shows, like stuff like Bleach and stuff like that, where like the main character definitely loses fights a lot. You know, mm-hmm. they just didn't do that in Airbender much for some reason. She yeah. lost so much more fights than Aang did, though. Like, it was mm-hmm. almost like every two fights with a villain she lost. Mm-hmm. And then it was only the final one, which I, I know makes sense. But, like, um, I don't know. She comes on so strong in all the elements and then... Um, whenever she meets the big boss of each season, it's just like, oh no, I failed. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, speaking speaking of villains and going to Amon as the big bad of the season, you know, the more I think about it, the more his ecoist movement does not make sense. Um, Because you have um, in the like if you look back on avatar obviously outside of you know being a noble everyone was pretty much equal i mean we find out later that sozin uh was not a fan of the lgbtq community um but yeah they talk about that in one of the choreographic novels but um because it was like prior to him everybody you know the fire nation was fine with it and then afterwards they're like no um but I, I don't, you know, in the Fire Nation, you didn't really, you saw benders and non-benders in the Fire Nation army. In the Earth Kingdom, you had benders and non-benders living together in all parts of the different kingdom, and, it, you know, people were fine. Um, so I, I just find it weird that in Republic City, which is sort of like this, uh, you know, nexus of all the bending nations, that you have, you know, disharmony between benders and non-benders. Um, and it's because benders have powers, which this is a slight 
spoiler in terms of what the plot is of one of the graphic novels in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Go for we're it. We're pretty. Well, actually, Crystal, do you care? Because I, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Okay, go for it. Where you had pretty much the shoe on the other foot, where benders felt like they were being replaced because machinery was coming into it, and so they were losing their jobs. And so then, you know, there was like a bender who was trying to drive out all the non-benders of the city that would later become Republic City. And I was just like, especially after reading that, which also came out after Korra, I was just like, eh, that that makes it make less sense. It's interesting. Hmm. Um, one random thing that I really like that kind of relates to what Chris just said is... Um, how Korra first joins the scene in Republic City and she like basically tears up an entire block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know why, but I always like love that in superhero shows or movies um, and stuff like this where like they actually show that, yeah, it's cool. This person has all these powers. Um, but then you see the like collateral damage <laughs> that they leave behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that might be um like they could use that as a reason why they ended up working together with the machines and benders because some of the benders were using um their powers to travel like say mm-hmm. in the cars and stuff like that whereas whereas like using an actual car would create a lot less damage or like mm-hmm. using these um I feel like saying suppression device is not a good thing to say right now in today's world, but um, just doing that rather than just constantly using, like, max bending power. Right. And and we see how the world has developed. Like, I remember there's a part where when they need money to enter the tournament and Mako's working a job at the factory and you see, like, a row of lightning benders um, you know, powering a machine. And it's just like, see, you know, they have, you know, everybody has, has their place in this city. Um, speaking of how they got money for pro, the pro bending tournament, uh, Asami and her father. Um, I think her father's characterization is a little bit Henry Ford esque. Yeah. Um, developing the first car, the hatred of benders like Henry Ford hated Jews. Um, and, uh, Asami as a character, I think is really done well as the non-bender of the group. She is very, um, adept in hand-to-hand combat and using different weaponry. Weaponry um, she's is cool. Taking, yeah. She's taking down, you know, chi blockers that were taking down, um, you know, Mako, Bolin, and Korra, um... And so I think they did a really good job in developing her character and then, you know, her holding to her convictions against her father. Yeah, I mean, I, we can get to this later. I mean, the, the, the storyline with her and her father was fine. And then they almost like forget about it until the last yeah. the last season. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, her dad's still in prison. You know, and it's kind of. Yeah. Like, I feel like if they were able, if they had, if they knew they were going to have more seasons, they definitely could have written more of an arc for Asami mm-hmm. about, like, you know, rebuilding the company and that kind of thing. Because you just kind of get, like, bits and pieces throughout after that, you know? Right. Um, 
And then I think the only – well, we haven't really talked about uh, – so Michael and Bolin. Uh, Bolin is the comedy, like uh, – I don't want to say juggernaut, but he is the comedy carrier for the whole show. Like, you know, the Toph, the Sokka, um, and other comedic characters from Avatar The Last Airbender all got mushed into Bolin. Um, Hashtag himbo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you yeah, know he he was a uh, very adept bender, and you know his his uh, he's funny, but he's also really stupid. And then he's really stupid when he really shouldn't be at the age he is. Um, Mako is just a wet blanket who cheats on both Korra and Asami, so he is the worst. Uh, Lin Beifong and Tenzin are great characters. Oh, Lin it, is great. Yeah. The whole show. I think Lynn is the only character that had a successful character arc. You mean like season to season? Yeah. I can see that, yeah. Lynn is a good example of like the elder child that has to deal with both the mom not be- being a mom and the younger daughter um, being like wild and free mm-hmm. and she ends up being the mother and having to be the strict person right um i like how she's like tough minus the humor <laughs> yeah i will say one thing that's interesting about this show too is that you often don't and most especially even in animated shows you don't have mm-hmm. like older women that are fighters and active in the main plot line all that often, mm-hmm. you know? You'll have, like... They'll do, like, older men sometimes. Like, you think, like, Master Roshi from Dragon Ball and that kind of stuff. But you rarely get that. You mm-hmm. rarely get older women who fight in the show. My, where Korra has, like, quite a few. Especially with the mm-hmm. with the whole Beifong family. So that's something right. that I, I read about that I thought was interesting. So Jinora, as the eldest, most responsible child... Uh, is portrayed really well and how she deals with her siblings, how attentive she is to her father. Um, and then Iki as the middle child that, you know, feels left out. Um, her interactions with Korra are great, especially with, you know, she's like, hey, Sami, did you know Korra likes Mako? <laughs> um, and then Milo as the wild child youngest who does, you know, whatever he wants. He is comedy gold. Um, and then, you know, uh, especially his fart bending, uh, I was just like, all right, that everyone knows they would do that, but yeah, that was pretty good. Um, and then poor Pema bearing the weight of repopulating the earth of the air nation. (laughs) Isn't it like at one point she's like, please don't leave me alone with these children or something. Oh no! It's um her fi- her fourth child. She's like, I really hope it's a non-bender. Yeah. So and I'm Kara's not the only just one. like, psych. You can't really blame her though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, we find out Pema stole Tenzin from Lynn, and that I need to see Tenzin break up with her and Lynn destroying Air Temple Island. Like, I need to see that. <laughs> Agreed. Um, there's some like meme floating out there where it's a text message between uh, Katara and Aang, and then Tenzin and Aang, and then uh, Aang and Toth. And Katara's like, 
honey, you need to come back to Air Temple Island now. Tenzin just broke up with uh, Lin, and she's destroying the place. He's like, oh, I'm on my way. I'll text talk. And Tenzin's like, Dad, I need your help. Dad. And he, uh, Aang was like, what did I tell you about the Bayfonds? Why would you do this? And then he texts and uh, he texts Toph, and then Toph is just a bunch of random letters. He's like, "Oh right, blind." Oh my god. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I thought that the character development, um, the characters that were introduced were for the most part good. I think the ending of the season is pretty great, um, especially with the, the line from Aang, "When we reach our lowest point, we're open to our greatest change." I was like. That that that's a great line. Mm-hmm. Seeing all the avatars in the background and in the edited photo, of Batman. Um, but I thought it was a good, solid first season setting up the show, um, and it did make me want more. And then we get to season two. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, I'm trying to think of any closing thoughts I have on season one. Yeah, I mean, season one's a pretty solid season. It's not the best one, but it's not the worst at all. It's just that it, it's you can just tell that they didn't think they were going to do anything else because they made it really self-contained, you know? But mm-hmm. that's Nickelodeon's fault. Yeah, Nick, Nickelodeon screwed this show. Yeah, they did. Pretty bad. So, um, oh, well, you didn't talk about that we had suicide at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We there's a theory that we almost had two. What do you mean? Uh, there's a theory that Cora's lowest point was she was about to jump off that cliff. And I'm like I don't know about that. I I, I they wouldn't have had her do that. I don't I know. Think that's I, a jump mm, too far. Yeah. Uh, I see what you did there. I see what you Sorry, did there. Sorry, I didn't joke about that. Um, but I don't think, I don't think they would have, but I think that's what they are saying. She was sort of contemplating was doing that. Um, I I don't know how accurate that is. I could see Bright doing that. Um, but I think, um, with Noah talk and Amon or Noah talk and, uh, Tarlock, just because they knew it was self-contained, like Tarlock was just like, well, See you later, everybody. Well, show's over. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that, like, um, you know how uh, some people say Mar- and the MCU kills off villains too quickly? Mm-hmm. Um, I get that the season one was almost like a self-contained story in itself, but I think that set it up to where they just started killing villains way too soon, like where they continually had to... Um, bring up a new villain and then create their storyline throughout mm-hmm. one season and then they killed off a villain right at the end and then they like it was just I think it, that was a little too repetitive for me for the yeah. entire series but um, that actually really surprised me too when they're on the boat like I was I know they're both villains but I was kind of like I was waiting to see a picture of them like in the Bahamas in tiki shirts, <laughs> just living their best life away from Republic City. Um, yeah, and you see Amon have like that final second of like hope and yeah. and sort of love, and then talks like, "Yeah, about that." Boom. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I get it. Like a lot of people were killed, um, but I don't know. I think that like that one scene by itself 
um, I was kind of hoping for them to become better people, I guess, rather than just killing them off. But um, I, I definitely, I can, I can see that for sure. They definitely. Because they made their seasons like it was like villain of the week kind of like it it did I I can see where you would kind of be like okay well how long is this person gonna last except for yeah. uh, my boys are here but we'll uh, we'll yeah. get to that later yeah um one final thing that I would like to say about season one is I kind of wanted um Cora to have to be a non bender for a couple more episodes. Mm. Um, just, I think that would have been really cool to, like, explore how she deals with not having powers at all, or not having bending powers at all, mm-hmm. but I Which don't know we, how you guys feel about that. I, I think we kind of sort of get that at the beginning of season four. Um, True. But, yeah, I think that could have been, that could have been, uh, honestly, if they, if Nickelodeon hadn't screwed this show, and, you know broken it at its kneecaps for the entire series run uh, in a fully realized season we probably would have got that um, yeah. um, it wouldn't have just been all pushed in like the last five minutes um, but yeah no I think that probably would have been cool um, but at the end of the season Cora meets with Aang and gives her back her bending basically teaching her how to give it back to others um, a reverse of what he did to Ozai, and then she's a fully realized avatar, sort of, because I guess she hasn't technically mastered airbending yet, but she has all four elements. She has the avatar state. Then we get to season two. All right, so season two, most people think it's the worst season in the series. If not, if not the Avatar franchise, period. Though I mean. Yeah. That's what I would say. That's what people would say. So when I rewatched I don't really it, remember it though. <laughs> well, exactly. I think that's the it. Had some cool moments in it, which I can get to later. But like, yeah, you had her, you had her evil uncle, and the spirits. So the whole season was about the spirits. Um, I do really like that they incorporated water bending into. Um, uh, calming down the spirits. I thought that mm-hmm. was a really good, like, water bending focus season. I'll say that much. I I, I can go on a very long rant about season two, um, <laughs> but what I, I think I, I'll contain it to was um, I was very bored throughout most of that season. Uh, I thought the high points were Tenzin's family, um, Avatar One. And um, Eska and Bolin, that was hilarious. I was going to say, I like Eska and Desna. Yeah, Eska and Desna are pretty cool characters. I wish they had done uh, more with them just throughout the show in general. But um, you had had this whole he wants to become the Dark Avatar plotline. And I think that is good in theory. They just did it very poorly. Um, because you have um, Avatar 1 where you learn about Unalak and Vatu, which as a concept is sort of like a mixture of uh, like Taoism with the, uh, you know, yin and yang. 
but also with sort of like the good and evil concepts of the Abrahamic religions, which is sort of contrary to what the yin and yang thing is. But they, so they do that, and it sort of kills the mythos of what was sort of talked about in Avatar The Last Airbender, how they learned bending from the dragons, the air bison. From the animals, yeah. Yeah, from no, the It was moon, definitely was a retcon, for sure. Yeah, it's sort of the midichlorians moment of this universe. Uh, and and if you ask a lot of Star War, older Star Wars fans, that was not a good thing. I personally don't care. Um, but I think that with that, you know, um, what it shows is the world doesn't need the Avatar. Um, because even... So, yeah, so looking at all the Avatars, the world doesn't really have balance. Um, and the only one that really needed to balance the world in some way was Aang in terms of making sure the Fire Nation do doesn't wipe everybody out um, and subjugate everyone. Um, but I, I I think I've sent this to you, Chris. I have sort of have a reimagining of how I would do uh, Korra in terms of centering it on a dark avatar. Yeah, you had your um, fanfic. Yeah, if they actually knew they were... And I guarantee you they probably would have done something similar if they knew they were going to have, you know, four seasons. I feel like and if they were going to do Rava, I mean, uh, not Rava, um, Vatu and a Dark Avatar, it should have been the villain of, like, the whole show, you know what I mean? Right. And they should have had, like, bits of that throughout and had a big battle at the end. Right. You know? And and, and that's pretty much the core concept of, of mine. Um, but instead of, uh, you know, doing... You, we would know about the Red Lotus beforehand, and then Unalak, after he be gets after he merges with Vatu, sort of goes off, breaks them all out of jail, and then um, you know starts training with them and is able to learn all the elements. And then you have a battle between a you know light avatar and dark avatar, I guess. Uh, and Korra still gets all her past lives wiped out, but. I would have done a lot more with past avatars, her learning from, you know, like Aang, Roku, Kyoshi, Yang Chen. No one cares about Kurok. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that a lot of people's big sticking point with season two is Korra gets her past lives wiped out and she can't get that connection back. I don't. I don't mind that they did that. I just felt like she didn't do a ton with the past lives. She didn't do nearly as much as the past lives as Aang did. Aang did. So Aang, you're just kind of watching it. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, wait, they're gone forever? Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she finally gets to start talking to Aang, and then they're like, Haha, never mind. Dyke. Yoink. And it's sort of weird because when you get the Avatar 1 thing where she lo loses her memory for some unexplained reason um, and you get to see the past Avatars who all know about Rava and Juan for some reason now um, that Korra you know, Korra doesn't really use her Avatar state a lot in, in, in the season even though she has it um, you see her use it in like the first five minutes of season two when she's using it to beat 
the airbending kids in a air scooter race. Um, but then she doesn't use it to, and then she uses it to break a blockade. But she doesn't use it to escape from her cousins, who, you know, one of them is caught up to her boat just using water bending as like some type of ski, water ski thing. And I'm just like, you could have escaped. You could have made it to the Fire Nation. But um, one of the bigger points for me is that for the second season in a row, Cora was manipulated by a, another villain. Yeah. By not listening to her counsel being, in this case, Tenzin um, and her father. In the last season, it was Tenzin and, and Lin. Um, and you would think after not listening to people beforehand and getting your butt handed to you that you would listen. But then she didn't. And then she got her butt handed to her several times that season. Yeah. But hey, uh, we got to see Iroh again in the spirit world. That was kind of cool. Yeah, seeing Iroh. And the, uh, uh, the owl no, from the library. See... No, that's next season. No, it's, no, Wait, no. it's not a season. Oh, yeah, no, it was a season. I forgot about People it. People forget about it, but no. You had Iroh's in the spirit world and the owl from the library from Airbender. Yes, one she tongue. The owl's Even still a dick. Thousand things. Yeah, I'm surprised they killed off the researcher too, expecting him to live longer. I guess because he was in the library. Yeah, you see his like skeleton, skeleton in one shot, and it was just like, man, that was dark. All right. Yeah. He could have been. It, they could have made it funny and say like, oh, he became one of the foxes, and you see like the fox wearing the hat. But no, they're like, yeah, no, he died, and it probably would have, you know, he wouldn't have had anything to eat, so he would have starved to death. That's that's that's, that's great, true. guys. What about uh, Bolin being a movie star? This season started the trend of Bolin having a new thing every season. Like every season, he has a new job. Chris, we've talked about it before. And the graphic novels. Don't they? Yeah. They may don't they mention the graphic novels, right? That he's like he always has a new thing that he's doing. Yeah, Mako makes a pointed observation that Bolin always thinks he has found his calling, um, and but it's never it. He was like with pro bending, with movies, with um, what was it in season three? Um, he was trying to learn metal bending, but he didn't get it. He was in Zalfu. Oh, yeah, with metal bending, with Kuvira, and then. Uh, you know, being a, a police officer, you, or oh wait, he was also being, uh, and then he was being assistant and assistant. He's like, you always think you found your calling, but it's never it. And I was like, just because you make that observation about yourself, Cor- Legend of Korra does not make it good. Yeah. What about uh, Varric? Varric uh, was great. Julie. Varric, Julie. Yeah. No, Varric's a good Julie character. Julie do the thing. And he's, I mean, he's probably, like, the main thing from season two that they keep throughout the rest of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, Varric becomes a pretty pretty regular character at that point. Right. I, I liked him um, and what he brought. Like, you were never quite sure what he was, you know, like, what side of the the side what who well whose side was he really on was he on his own was he you know on Korra's side or was he on Unalak's side 
uh, how how did his plans play out? He was a good, fun, wacky character. Um, Julie as his loyal number two. I like how her arc turns, at least not sort of, sort of, kind of. I like that she is very adept at what she does. She's not just like the assistant that is just helping him with things like she she's a pretty strong character. Yeah, like Varric um, is the planner, but Julie is the engineer. Yeah, she's the doer. That like, yeah, the mechanical engineer. Yeah. Um going back to Bolin as um the the movie star, uh <laughs> this might be a little bit of a stretch, but it reminds me of um like him being an earthbender pretending to be a folk hero from one of the water tribes. It just reminds me of, um, what was the actor they had play Lawrence of Arabia? Um, basically like old school Hollywood, just using like the black and white film to have a white actor play an Arabian man. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. uh, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't put in Scarlett Johansson at that point. <laughs> I'm never going to leave her alone. <laughs> never. Never. And Black Widow I mean, is never coming out. I'm okay with that. Uh, and then, oh, we also meet uh, Katara and Aang's other kids in Boomy and Kaya. And we learn more about how Aang was not a perfect dad. Um, Which is good, you know. Yeah, right. And everything is sort of like contextualized, you know. Um, Aang, who has pretty much all the knowledge of the air nation of the air nomads, and then he only has one kid that's an airbender, so he focuses all his time on that kid at the expense of Boomy and Kaya. Um, Boomy is, you know, that he's the wild man. He's he's a lot like his namesake. Yeah, um. I was gonna say I like that he was probably a better avatar than he was a father, you know. Yeah, and it was good that they made him flawed in that way, and it makes sense that he would favor the airbending kid since up until that point he was the last airbender, you know. Yeah. Um, Boomy was great. I feel like they could have done more with Kaya, but that's that's one of Korra's problems in general. It's almost like um, they really retconned a lot from Avatar The Last Airbender to Legend of Korra. They're like, haha, you're not the last airbender. Also, all that mythos we put in in the show, we're just going to scrub that away, too. Yeah. Um, um, can I, I, yeah, just, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so... One thing, I actually really liked the story with Juan and Rava and all of that, but mainly because I really do like how they changed the animation style. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. really and nice. And they made it more um, like traditional art as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like a picture book almost. Yeah. Like the ones that would pop out, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Season two had a different animation studio than season one. And oh. then they really like stepped out for Avatar One, and I was like, "Oh, that was great!" Because um, I think they might have had three animation studios throughout the entire show. I think 
season one was different, season two was different, and then season three and four were one other company. I think that's how that played out. But I definitely know there was a different studio between season one and season two. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, you, Chris, that Kaya definitely should have been used more. Um, she was definitely, uh, like you saw, like she, you know, she was powerful, but she sort of just went by the wayside and they sort of continued that in season three. She had some good fights. Yeah. With the Red Lotus, especially. Yeah. Um, which I, I guess any, any other closing thoughts on season two? You know, Unavat Una two is wiped out. Yeah. Oh wait, no, I have to talk about this. They have the um, they have a kaiju fight at the end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, to me, that sort of takes me out of everything, because yes, we've seen like a giant spirit avatar hybrid in season one at the end of season one of Avatar: The Last Airbender, but that was Aang going into the Avatar state and merging with another spirit. And then using water to make that big body. Oh, you mean in season to, one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah as, as opposed to here, Korra's gotten Raba knocked out of her. Um, and so then she's sitting in the tree of, I think, of time is what they call it. Vatu's former prison. And then she is able to create enough spiritual energy to become a giant version of herself to fight Una Vatu, who is a giant version of himself. And I'm just like, why? And there's and there's nothing really about bending in this battle. It's pretty much just a a rock'em sock'em robot. Yeah, it is. No, like I said, it's a kaiju fight. Like you, Godzilla. You know what I mean? It's what it was. Um. Yeah, I don't really have a ton of thoughts about that. I mean, the idea of a dark avatar. It's cool in theory, but they didn't do... In my opinion, they didn't do enough with it because they just became, like, a big monster. Wasn't using the yeah. other elements. You know what I'm saying? He he was essentially... When he was uh, fighting her in the spirit realm, he was essentially a firebender in Sozin's Comet. He was just a very, very strong waterbender. Yeah. And he beat the Avatar, who did... I, I don't even remember if she used the Avatar state in that fight. Isn't wouldn't her using all that spiritual energy to do the the whole like Godzilla fight? Wouldn't that essentially be her being in the Avatar state? Because it's almost like when Aang finally reached the Avatar state and saw that big version of himself in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if that's all that clear. Um... I, I would I want to say sort of no because the thing that sort of makes her the Avatar state is Raba, and okay. Raba had been pulled out of her, and then the only essence of Raba left was inside Batu. Um, I'd have to rewatch I, I, it. I, I can see that, like you know, her, or maybe it's like instead of spiritual energy, she connected to the cosmic energy that Patik talked about, and that's where Aang saw like that big purple version of himself. So I, I think that's that you know I think that that sort of works but you went from something being about bending to a giant kaiju fight and yeah harmonic convergence guys woo 
Yeah, and then at the end, I mean, the, they merged the... They let the spirits come into the real world, pretty much. Which was... I thought... Like, I don't know if they knew they were going to get another season. But, like, it was a decently good... It was a good, like, setup for what they were going to do later. You know? Mm-hmm. All right, we ready to go to uh, season three? Yeah. It's my favorite season. It's my favorite season with the Red Lotus and my boy, Zaheer, who learned airbending in a day... <laughs> and was um pretty much just beating up everyone that entire season. <laughs> Not everyone. Ten- Tenzin actually gave him a good fight, and his friends had to help. But Zaheer is pretty cool. He's my favorite villain. I think one thing that season three definitely showed, which I think season one showed as well, but just not as much, is that because airbending has not really been a thing in a couple centuries, no one really knows how to fight an airbender. And so every time it seems like an airbender is going in a fight with like Tenzin fighting, you know, Amon and some of the equalists, um, him fighting some of the uh, um, Red Lotus, and then um, Zaheer himself, Zaheer fighting the White Lotus, they don't know how to defend against an airbender. So most airbenders are winning their fights. Um, and so Zaheer, three-week airbending master, um, his his whole plan of chaos, uh, we see an airbender murder someone, and the Earth Queen, that was pretty brutal, and I, I remember watching that, uh, that live, and seeing, like, I think it was a Spongebob ad pop up right <laughs> under Right as the murder is happening. Didn't they? Was it and, even on the air? Sorry, I didn't cut you off. Was it even on the air during that season? Didn't they start putting it online with season three? I thought I thought season four was on. Or it might have been four. But, like, yeah, I feel like they were able to be like, oh, well, okay, we can do things, you know, we can do something different. Because you wouldn't have, they wouldn't yeah, have killed somebody so like that I think in the Airbender. was, uh... Um, each, I think each member of the Red Lotus having a specialized type of bending was really, really cool. Um, lava bending, I think, was pretty awesome, which we see it for the first time, and then it's sort of retconned and sort of like, oh, we've seen lava bending before. That's technically what Kiyoshi did to help separate the islands. And then when we first learn about what the Avatar state is from Roku, we see uh, Avatar... What's his name? It starts with an S and a Z. Zito, I think, is his name. I'm not he, sure. He did. Uh, he was the firebender before Roku, uh, or the fire avatar before Roku. He used a uh, the avatar state to basically make four volcanoes, four small vo- volcanoes erupt, and they called that lava bending. So we're like, okay, so avatars can normally do it, um, which makes sense because fire and earth. Um, and then we get the Beifong family. Oh, and Zafu. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the extended Beifong family was pretty cool. Yeah, in 70 years since Toph uh, created metal bending, they turned it into an art form. They've made a whole city out of it. Um, I think they were very creative with Zafu. We get the biggest character development with Lin with her sister, Su Yin, um, who, you know, Crystal, you were talking about earlier, uh, Lynn as the responsible mother-child to the younger daughter, 
but then the mother sort of just letting them do their own path and Su Yin as the you know free spirit child and how that sort of made both women who they were yeah because like even Sue had to stay um I'm sorry I'm mixing their names up like even Lynn had to stay in Republic City and basically become like a police captain so she's essentially in charge of like the brainchild with um of Avatar Aang and then uh Lynn gets to make her own city and be like the artistic um artistic sibling mm-hmm. I'm really uh, hoping that lava bending becomes a shared um, a shared bending tactic with uh, earth and fire bending because I think that would be really cool yeah I think I don't know if they've explained really, I think fans have sort of explained their way of how it happens but I think uh, the the common theory right now out there is that they use they pressurize the earth so much that it heats it up, and that's what creates the lava bending. Um, and I was like, okay, that that sort of makes sense. But then firebenders could always cool it off because, as we saw with like Roku and Sozin, and uh, when they were fighting the volcano, they could pull the steam out and, yeah. and send it out. And I was like, oh well, that works. And then, you know, you get blasted in the face by some poison gas, and then your dragon comes and cuddles you, and you die. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so season three, um, Korra gets her butt kicked again. She gets beat up a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think... And you know, kidnapped. Yeah, and kidnapped. <laughs> um, but with season three, the big thing is the Air Nation is sort of back. Harmonic Convergence has started the um, air nomad or has put air bending back into the world why because um, I, I know I some people were talking about like well what about new firebenders or waterbenders or earthbenders I'm like well no one would really care but I felt like it I felt like it was a way I felt like it was a way of helping achieve balance though like bringing the airbenders back because there hadn't been any for so long. And taking a lot of the uh, responsibility away from Tenzin as well. Tenzin, no, Pema, Pema had that. Oh, very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I meant like with draining um, rather than with bearing. <laughs> yes, um, I. You know, people. I, I've I've been uh, uh, sort of like debating with people about whether that actually you know brings more balance. Because, like, you know, tops, we get around 30 new airbenders um, from from what we can see from the people that rejected them and then people that actually joined um, and then new ones when we get to season four. I think that, you know, the air, you know, they're saying, oh, it's, you know, it's balanced now. And I'm like, I think it does a good portion towards going to being balanced but I don't think it's truly balanced because you know the air nomads there were a lot of them because they were all split up into four different temples um, and they had um, a lot of you know different uh, all, like I think two of them were for men two of them were for women um, 
and they were pretty spread out and at some point you know they all have to meet up and then you know breed oh, so all right it yeah so i mean um i think it does a good job i don't know because people like to say like oh this is what makes Korra a great avatar she brought back the air nation it's just like kind of I mean, she did. I mean, she she's the one who made the choice to leave the portal open. I mean, she did do that. Correlation does not cause causation. That's true. Uh, that's pretty good. See? But I did like how, like, I did how, like, I did like how people, different people took getting airbending air differently. Like, Boomy is like, oh, man, this is cool. But then, like, there are some people that, like, got the powers and they didn't want anything to do with the Air Nation at all. Because that's kind of, that's how you would imagine it would happen in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, people are like, what do you mean? Like, I already have a life. Like, well, I'm not going to go and be a monk. Like, what are you talking about? Right. I do love... to... Go ahead. Um, sorry. I do love when um, one of the new airbenders uh, gets his head shaved by Tenzin. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, it's actually a choice. You don't have to. <laughs> Yeah, and then he's like, what? <laughs> but then um, they brought it back as, like, a good reason because he could feel the air on the back of his head afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having Tenzin trying to sell the air nation, where it's just like, you know, once he becomes a master, he'll get tattoos all over his body, like me. Slam. His best friend will be a giant bison. Slam. He'll be a vegan. Slam. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, so I think, um, and then we also, one one thing we haven't talked about in season one and season two has been the love triangle between Korra, Asami, and, and Mako. Do we have to talk um, about that? <laughs> ever, ever, ever so briefly, uh, because in this season, Mako is so awkward around both of them that it's sort of just like comedy, um... Because in season one, he's with Asami, and then he has feelings for Korra, so then he cheats on Asami and then breaks up Asami and gets with Korra. And in season two, he and Korra are a terrible couple, and they break up, and then when uh, Korra comes back, she's lost her memory of, like, the past couple weeks, and, you know, he's back with Asami, sort of, and then something happened in the middle of season two and season three, and then they're not together anymore. Um, and then, so that was Mako's personality. That's his whole character arc in season three. He's awkward around uh, Korra and Asami. It's almost like the writers were like, "Yeah, we're gonna be." Can you can you guys hear my dog in the background? Um, there's like a there's a like a slamming noise. Is that the, is that the yeah. dog? Um, yep. Good good timing, Kimber. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um. It's almost like the writers were all for Mako and then Bolin was just going to be a tiny little supporting character in season one. And then as time goes on, they're like, actually, Mako is trash. We're all in for Bolin now because hashtag himbo energy. Mm-hmm. Bolin and Opal is, is... Bolin and Opal are actually pretty great together. I actually like that. Um... Opo is, you know, Suyin's youngest, I think. I'm not sure about him. She has a lot of kids. 
Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, she had a lot of kids. She had, I think, at least five. Yeah. I like the uh, the artsy one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what Zuko would have turned out to be if he actually had parents that cared about him. Oh, he, he, he had one parent that cared about him. I forget. We got a uh, we got old Zuko in the season for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got old man Zuko. So, um, for our checklist, we had Avatar Aang, we had old Lady Katara, and then in season three, we finally get old man Zuko. We also get Sokka. In yeah, we, we, yeah, we get Sokka in a flashback, um, but we still don't find out what happened to him. Uh, but yeah, so old man Zuko. Um, I like some of the jokes he makes, uh, like how he says, uh, talking about plea, you know, I sent a man like that had this ability to kill the avatar silence. It didn't work. In Africa, I true. I too tried to kill Cora after she ruined my wedding. It happens. Yeah. That was uh, pretty, that was, was a good joke. Yeah. Um, but the Red Lotus as villains, uh, you know, from a bending standpoint, I thought were great. Um, like I said, because of all their unique bending abilities. Um, Agreed. But as, as it's interesting that we sort of got a anti Avatar team uh, that we haven't really seen since um, Azula, May, and Tylee. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's just one villain and then their lackeys. We actually had a team that worked really well together. Um, and you had some good comedic moments between them and the heroes. You know, uh, uh, Mako and Bolin talking to... He's trying to remember uh, their names. Yeah. Lava um, Guy was Gazan, and the yeah. Water Lady was uh, Ming Hua, I think. Yes. Yep. Yes. Man. I'm killing it today. There, there you go. Um, and I thought that was a pretty great moment. Um, and obviously, they both meet their end at the respective hands of Bolin and Mako. Um, Bolin finds out he's a lava bender. Uh, but I was actually pretty hyped for him in that moment. I thought no, that was pretty cool. Um, uh, Zaheer was giving those hands to everybody. Uh, oh, the Earth Queen tried to su- uh, subjugate all the Earth Kingdom citizens that were airbenders into her army yeah. to have a secret airbending army. And the Dai Li were her agents in rounding them up. So. Bossing say just sucks. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. But that's there. I mean, I'd almost rather live. Like, I feel like living in the Fire Nation, if I was, I feel like if I was born to the Fire Nation, I'd be like, okay, yeah, you know, whatever. But living in Bossing Sage just seems awful. Oh, we meet Mako and um, Bolin's family in season three, too, right? Yeah. That was that was pretty funny. Um, the grandmother is in loves the royalty. Uh, she's that citizen that is so beholden to the the structure of the, of the government. She worships them. Um, you had a good heartfelt moment when she meets Mako and Bolin, and you know she's like, "You guys look like your father," and you know she hugs them, and you have that sort of like warm and fuzzy feeling inside. Um, juxtaposed with Lin and Su Yin, where Lin's like, "Don't tell her I'm here." 
Um, and then, oh, what's his face? The uh, Truth Seer. Um, the guy that was secretly working for the Red Lotus, who was, you know, Suyin's right-hand man. Um, can't remember his name now. I actually don't remember his name at all. But I, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he had that toothier ability where, like, Toph could, you know, hear whether someone was lying, except for Azua, who was just that good. Um, I thought it was also an interesting fun fact. Apparently, he... Uh, was gay. That I, it's 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 canon somewhere. Where they do, I don't know. yeah. With the comics, they like to do the um. I don't want to. I don't want to bring up Harry Potter, but they do the J.K. Rowling thing, where it's like actually all these characters were gay, and we just didn't say anything yeah. before. Or like, I never technically said what race Hermione is, so yeah, she could be black. That yeah. was pretty bad. Cause no, um, talking about Miss Surf and Turf over there. Because mm-hmm. Aang's daughter in the comics says she was a lesbian, pretty much. Right. So you're like, oh. And they sort of say, like, that's why you never see her husband around. But you also don't see a wife around either. So Exactly. Kai's just, you know, like a, a 70-year-old single woman. Yeah. You go, girl. Yeah. I do so want to clarify. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. That's all right. Um, I just wanted to say, I do want to clarify, it was just like J.K. Rowling was steering into the, this will make me look like a better person because Hermione can be black just because I didn't technically say she was white. Oh, but. yeah. J.K. Rowling is a... Uh, yeah, I was like, I didn't want to go... I don't, I, it, it made me think of that, but I didn't want to go into too much detail because, um, yeah, J.K. Rowling is bad. I'm sorry. Um, so what what do you guys think of um, Zaheer dis- discovering or not really discovering but uh, inheriting the ability of airbending of flight oh flight that's cool I mean the thing is you didn't all the other elements have like you know extended things they can do and you didn't really get that with airbending at all so, like, flight is, like, the advanced... I guess you would say, like, the advanced airbending thing. So, yeah, it was cool, because, like, you didn't you didn't know that was that's what was going to happen the first time you saw it. I think um, it also brought to mind for me how um, Aang or any other avatar wouldn't have been able to fly like that because mm-hmm. they would be conflicted. They have these different warring thoughts in their head to keep balance and stuff in comparison to a villain like Zaheer who was very one-minded, so he was able to, um, I don't remember what the chant was, but like, basically was, free his mind. It was like, empty the void and become mm-hmm. wind or something like that. Mm-hmm. So his like one-mindedness made him able to fly. And his only connection was Plea, who died brutally. That was like, every, yeah, some Mortal Kombat yeah. stuff. I, honestly, every member of the Red Lotus besides the here because he didn't die died brutally they yeah. did all die brutally yeah that's true we had a metal coat wrapped around her face when she went combustion bending and off went her head um uh, oh. Mingua got electrocuted gazan killed himself by lava bending the cave so in, yeah either burned or was crushed to death or both um 
That, that's the thing about one Korra. It had some brutal deaths. Yeah. Whereas a Avatar just had Jet, and then it was just like, did he die? You know, it's not really clear, but yeah, he died. Um, I think Zaheer was a good villain. I did not really like how he lost with the airbending tornado bringing him in. I would have much rather have Korra take him down and then, like, sort of start, you know, like, finally succumb to her poison because Korra never beats a villain on her own. And yeah. I sort of have a problem with her, you know, like, or maybe just have Zaheer escape or something like that. That's fine. But, uh, you know, having Janora save the day for the second season in a row, um, I just thought I was just like, Cora can do things on her own. She, she, she's a good avatar. I don't need no support. Um, but yeah, their plan to wipe out the avatar cycle by poisoning, um, Cora with mercury poisoning and then killing her in the avatar state. Not a great plan. Um, considering that you, uh, as soon as she gets into avatar state, she almost instantly breaks out of her chains and then starts kicking all your butts. Like, it, I, don't, I don't see how that was a good plan. Um, I mean, I mean, they just, I mean, they just wanted to kill her, pretty much. I mean, they wanted to, I mean, they wanted to kill her and stop the reincarnation. It was probably, I mean, that was probably their biggest thing, because just that they wanted, they needed to get the Avatar out of the way so that they could overthrow all the world governments and have, like, anarchy, pretty much. Like, wasn't that the whole, wasn't that the gist? Yeah, pretty much. And their plan was to capture her as a kid and then raise her in that. But then it was like, okay, would you have her go into the Avatar state when she's older and then wipe her out after you've done all that? Or, you know, because think about it. Think if they taught her lava bending and meanwhile's like telepathic water bending and combustion bending as the Avatar, like, she ain't being stopped. But, you know, I, I just think that it, it was, again, a very cool concept that was sort of implemented poorly, especially if you're going to have, you know, her chained up, already have the weapon to kill her, like an ice pick or whatever you're going to use to stab her, like have that right at her throat. But then you wouldn't have a show, Chris. I mean, you could have just had Cora just like block it all. It's got to be drawn out and dramatic as possible. I'm kidding. No. Um, do we have any... I'm trying to think of anything from season three that I miss. Because I know we're, uh, we've been going for a while, so I want to make sure we can get to season four. I, we missed um, Iki training all of the... Um, the What are they called? Sky Bison? Uh, no, not the Sky Bison. Um, Momo is oh, a Sky Lemur. Oh, no. yeah, the, the lemurs, yeah. That was season. That was season two. That was Milo with the uh, lemurs. I just oh. watched that episode like two nights ago. No, that was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> I've Milo's created a monster. Change, I think. Right, right. Milo <laughs> tr is trying to train train Pokey 
and he's you know being the typical owner with a patent Tenzin's like no you have to be more strict you have to you know set boundaries and you know then he shows the family how he's trained pokey and Tenzin's like good job son you've trained you know one lemur he's like oh i didn't just train one i trained them all <laughs> and then you just see 50 lemurs fly out yeah. with you at the head all in unison flying and Tenzin's like i've created a monster <laughs> i think that's one big takeaway i get from cora too um, like, I try not to uh, compare it too much to La Avatar The Last Airbender, but I remember more of the side characters than Korra herself. Like, the scenes that I enjoyed the most were because of the side characters in comparison yeah. to um, Aang and everything from that. But I think maybe they just added so many different characters um, in Legend of Korra that... I think they did a good job about like incorporating them and also giving them good storylines, but you kind they kind of took away from Cora herself. Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I can agree with that. I will. Yeah, I will say definitely. I mean, with Cora, the side characters are almost better than the main cast at most points, and mm -hmm. more interesting. Yeah. Like you want to spend more time with the side character. Like you could almost you could watch a show with Tenzin and his family. You know what I mean. Mm. Or I the Bayfongs. Yeah, I want a Golden Girls style um, sitcom with the Bayfongs now. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be all in on that. Um, which I think is, is a testament to good writing, but also a testament to poor writing at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of season three, uh, Cora was successfully poisoned um, and she almost dies. Um, Suyin and Lin metal bend the mercury poisoning out and Korra is sort of broken from you know almost dying again um, being extremely close to death having almost you know Avatar State sort of ending there and um, she, she has gone through it and so at the end she looks weak um, she is obviously mentally scarred, um, and they're like, we're going to give you the time to recover. The Air Nation is going to be taking on the Avatar's duties while you heal. I like the ceremony for Janora. I thought it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like she looked like Aang, honestly. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was weird Kai. that they had her grow her hair back after the time jump in season four. I definitely thought they were just going to like keep her bald, and they did it. Or like make her like um, uh, Avatar. Yang uh, Chen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that that was that was Janora's choice, and we forgot to talk about Janora's boo thing, Kai. Oh yeah, the uh, was wasn't he um. That actually wasn't a bad storyline. He was like a kid mm -hmm. who was like a thief and kind of bought a Mako a little bit. Right. And honestly, that should have been Mako's foil more than Bolin's thing. Because Kai is what Mako sort of had to used to be, you know, living on the streets. So that should have been him, like, mentoring him. That should have been character growth for Mako. But instead, no. <laughs> But Kai was a fun character, a bratty little kid, witty, sort of the Aladdin, uh, an Aladdin-like character. He um, is kind of like Aladdin, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so and he's then, like visibly know, brown too, which is that was interesting. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, season three, my favorite season, uh, villain wise, my favorite season, uh, bending wise. Uh, I didn't like that Asami was also sort of like just there. She didn't really have much use in season three. Um, and then uh, we get a time skip when we're into season four. Yeah, season four. So I when I first saw season four, it wasn't it didn't leave that much of an impact on me. But watching it again, like now, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I did before. I don't like it as much as season three, but I did like um, I did like Cora having to heal and deal with trauma. Actually, I, maybe it's because I'm an adult. I relate to that more now. But like I, <laughs> I enjoyed that uh, storyline a lot more as um, like now. I thought it was cool to have her on her own, and yeah. she's you know writing letters to Sami and that kind of thing. It was a great way to incorporate Toph back into the story too. Mm-hmm with the swamp um i think they did a very good job with the ptsd that cora had to face Mm -hmm. um i think the one thing is is like when they had cora in those like underground bending fights she got washed by earth bending fighters i was like i stop showing cora get beat up like come on we've seen it so much we 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 know she's out of it We, we don't need to see her get like her face pummeled with a rock um, but I did like that how they brought the swamp back, um, and how they, you know, uh, I thought it was a great use of Zaheer to bring him back and have him guide her into the spirit realm, as he's just like, oh yeah, I go there all the time, and she's just, he's just she's just like, well, this place doesn't feel very spiritual. And he's like, that's your problem. Because <laughs> um, I think that was also a thing that sort of. Uh, you know, was established in Avatar The Last Airbender was, like, you needed to be in a place of strong spiritual energy. And Zaheer's like, no, you don't. You just have to have that connection, and you're the bridge, so just ease on down the road. What'd you guys think of, uh, Cuviera? Cuviera? Earth Hitler. Earth Hitler, yeah, that's a good one. She pretty much voiced by uh, Robin Williams' daughter. Yeah, Zelda Williams. Are you serious? That's you didn't know that? I didn't know. Yep, Zelda Williams, and that is her real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I liked Kuvira as a villain. Uh, she was a powerful bender. Um, she was a very charismatic leader. Um, she she was Earth Hitler. Like, she, she just was. Um, and I think that her, you know, trying to subjugate all of the Earth Kingdom to finish what she started, basically, and you take the Earth Kingdom back to where it was 100 years prior, uh, or not 100 years, but prior to the 100 Years War, I thought, I was just like, well, that that's sort of how, how you have to bring the conflict in, because if she just sort of stopped before Zalfu, or wouldn't have been a conflict, even if she was sort of a, uh, you know, if she didn't hand over power to the um, Earth King, there's no way, like, as you see that, anybody else was going to start a war over that. So um, she obviously had to stir up conflict that way. 
Um, her first fight with Cora was sort of like I know Cora wasn't at a hundred percent because she couldn't go into the Avatar state, but if even if Cora won outside of the Avatar state, she wasn't about to beat that army. Yep. Because they came out in force. And, I mean, maybe they would have stood down after just seeing their leader, but it's just sort of like, why would you? Um, but that first fight was brutal, and it was beautiful. It was like a beautifully choreographed fight. I think that's one thing that Korra did really well. It had beautiful fights. It did, No, I had really good fight scenes for sure. Uh, Bolin... Varric and Julie work for Kuvira. Um, Bolin's totally bought into uh, the Kuvira um, mantra, much to Opal's chagrin because she grew up with Kuvira because Kuvira was an orphan who then uh, Su Yin took in. And so Opal was just like, no, she's not a good person. Like, you, 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 she's saying all this. It's not real. Don't believe her. And Bolin's like, no, she's great. And then he sees, he hears about the re-education camps, I think they called them. Um, and then he's like, uh, maybe this isn't so great. And Varric has his J. Robert Oppenheimer moment uh, with the Spirit Vine cannon, saying like, there was something inside me, a little voice that told me not to do it. That's your conscience, sir. Well, Varric and uh, Julie were good in the season two. Especially because, like, Julie, like, betrays Varric pretty much, but then it's not. And it's like, oh, okay, that was nice. Because before, <laughs> Julie didn't really, they kind of gave her more of a personality in this season mm-hmm. than previous ones. Yeah. Uh, I think that was done well um, with, you know, giving Julie things to do and seeing her outside of Varric and then, like, standing her ground and being like, no, 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 no. We're partners in this. I'm no longer your assistant. You know, the wedding, them getting married was sort of like, eh, for me, because I really did think it was hilarious when she was like, Julie, will you do the thing with me? And I was just like, oh. Then at the same time, I was just like, kind of problematic. But, you know, if that's what you're into. I mean, they're two adults, you know, yeah. whatever. I don't know. I've seen a lot of bad anime, so I've seen worse things, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Shoujo manga is not any better. No. Oh, yeah. I've seen some. I, I know it's not at all. Um, then you have, uh, like we talked about sort of earlier, Asami and her father. Um, Asami's father has been trying to reconnect with her, and she hasn't read, read the letters, but she goes to me and him in jail to tell him to stop and you have some you actually have an Asami arc in this season with her forgiving her father um and then he dies yeah he dies which was one thing you're like oh if she forgives him he's dead he sacrifices himself so they can get him inside of the giant mecha robot which had just been built and no one knew about it. Yeah. I don't understand that. 
Yeah, and I'm also like, if there's a John... Well, I mean, I guess they didn't really have time, but it's like, how come Korra didn't become a kaiju again and fight the robot? Right? Harmonic convergence wasn't a thing. Yeah, I, I guess it was just because of the convergence. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean... She also didn't use the Avatar state against it. Did she not? I don't remember if she did. No, or in her second fight with Kuvira, the only time she used the Avatar state in that fight was to def- uh, to stop the spirit cannon fire and then cr- thus creating the third portal. Oh, yeah. Man, you... We're, we're really good. Or did, How recently have you seen the show? I saw it like a uh, month ago. So I did a month... Uh, I did a rewatch a month ago. I did a rewatch right after I finished watching Avatar this summer. Oh, okay. So you've seen it twice in a short time span. And I'm halfway through season two on it. I was trying to finish a rewatch before we did this one oh, with okay. uh, my brother, and we just sort of sort of stalled out. Um, but yeah, so she didn't. She doesn't use the Avatar state a lot this season. For the first half, she's still coming off out of her PTSD, and she's still not able to push past all that happened to her with her spiritual side. But even after that, she doesn't really use it. And it's just sort of like, that's kind of a disappointment. You have access to it. You use it. Um, and then the... Well, is there anything we want to talk about before the ending? Uh, um, season four. I'm trying to... I'm trying to... What was... Oh, you had you had Mako with the prince. That, that was the thing they gave him for the season. Yeah. Dealing with the Earth Prince, Earth Prince, and I mean, at the end of the day, the Earth Prince becomes a slightly better person. Like he doesn't want a throne anymore, you know. Um, There's one good thing that the Earth Prince did when he's dancing. I don't know if it's when we first meet him or maybe like an episode later. He is doing one of Beyonce's dances from her music video. Really? And they somehow snuck that. <laughs> they in. snuck that in there. And I didn't know I just that. Saw a gif, I just saw a gif of it the other day, and I was just like, wow. But it seems like they they snuck in a lot of things, like shot-for-shot shot things. Like, uh, in season one, the um, uh, fight with uh, the Equalists where they're bombing the ships, that's Pearl Harbor. Like, straight up from Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. Really? Oh, yeah. Go I... back go back and watch it, and then go back and watch the clip from... Uh, Guess uh, I gotta Pearl go Harbor. on YouTube later. Yeah. Um, but no. Uh, so Earth Prince and Mako. That was just sort of a... It just still didn't give Mako a personality. <laughs> he couldn't buy one. It's almost like every season they just have Mako dealing with a character that's really bullheaded. Like yeah. It's Mako and Korra, and then it's Mako and Kai, and then it's Mako and the Earth Prince. Um, season two, I don't know. Mako, Mako and Korra. Mako and Korra in season two. Um, then let's see, Bolin and Opal still. Um, I like the uh, I liked how the Airbenders had new clothes. They had the uh, the flying squirrel costumes. Yeah, they could glide. Was, I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, Korra and not Korra and Toph's interactions were great. Uh. Like, nice to see you again, Twinkle Toes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, which is also a callback. Do you think friendships can survive lifetimes? Um, and then Toph kicking Cora's butt. Uh, it was really funny. Uh, and then I think, and I, I, I have to rewatch season three to see if we get there. But in season one, I can confirm someone says to Cora, you are the worst avatar ever. Someone says it to her in season two. Then Toph says it to her in season four. I think that's like someone also might have said it in season three, and I was just like, themes. Yeah. I think I think Toph says you're the worst avatar I've worked with, and then she's oh, like, no, she, even though it's only been two, well, that's pretty funny. She says both. Yeah, I remember this when I was watching it uh, earlier in the summer. I took a picture of that and I like sent it to all my core lovers. And I was like, from Toph Beifong herself, uh, but. The season, season four, I I still think it's good. I think the only bad season is season two. Um, I just think that some of the thing, you know, Korra, instead of going to fight Kuvira straight away, she goes to talk to her and tell her to turn around from Zhao Fu with her entire army, which I'm just like, maybe if it was just Kuvira and some of her tanks, maybe that would have been a good idea but with her whole entire army yeah she ain't backing down hey I need and you then, to guy, you guys need to cut it out then, I think it was a good way to display how dynamic uh, Korra ended up being at the end where she's not running in to defeat yeah. a villain like uh, like Amon she actually tries to talk it through mm-hmm. and then what, and, and what is true is they're all sort of I don't know if I can call Kavira a zealot, but I can call Amon one. Zahir's definitely a zealot and uh um Unalaka's definitely a zealot. Um Kuvira um but none of them you could have talked down. I guess Kuvira would have been the best one to try and talk down. Uh but Kuvira um she had her goal and was not going to be stopped. Um and then Suyin was just like, I know what I have to do. I have to go assassinate her. Which, I think in the context of it, if you look at what Suyin is doing, she's like, Suyin was pretty much willing to go kill her daughter. Because that was essentially what Kuvira was to her. Um, and I think that, yes, Korra was um, slowing down and thinking rather than just acting first, which is good. But she also wasn't listening again to a woman that raised the person she's going to go talk to. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So the the Spirit Vine cannons were the atom bomb. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, especially when he was just like... Uh, Varric was like... This is a weapon that should not be used ever. And then President Raiko is like, you need to build me one. He's like, no, 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 no. This doesn't need to be a weapon at all. Yeah, President Raiko's kind of a dick. I was never, never really a fan. They just made him worse every season. Yeah, they did. Doesn't then, he, uh, in the comic, uh, doesn't he lose an election to Julie? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I'd love to see Varric as the first, uh, the first gentleman. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's season four, and then season four ends with Korasami 
which upon my first watch I thought after season two that unless they brought up a new love interest in like season three but especially after season three I was like I think Cora's just gonna be her she's not gonna be in a relationship they're done with the relationship part of it um Cora is just going to be Cora. She's going to be the Avatar, and then maybe afterwards you give her somebody. Or, you know, if you make a new Avatar and you say, oh, she married so-and-so, and blah, blah, blah. And then they did Cora Salmon, and I was just like, huh. Huh. And they had to obviously hint at it, because they couldn't just outright do it. Um, but I was... I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, you know, um, but, I, you know, one of the things that when I was reading one of the comics, it was just like, you know, Cora was saying, you know, everybody has been telling me my whole life, like, I'm too emotional, or I'm too reckless or whatever, and you are the one that didn't see me that way, and I was like, well, I don't know about too emotional, but you're definitely too reckless. <laughs> but, you know, uh, representation-wise, obviously that. Um, was a big deal and paved the way for shows like Steven Universe. Um, She-Ra! <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of other shows and I'm blinking on them now, but... Um, There's the new one on Disney. Um, Amity House? Yeah, maybe Owl. that's it. I'm not real up on my kids' animated shows because, well... Same. I gotta check out Shira one of these days, though, for sure. Oh. If you don't like Shira, we can't be friends. <laughs> okay, right. Shira and the Princesses of Power. I have never seen the original. So yeah. Um, so what would you guys think of Korasami? I don't know if it's just internalized homophobia, mm-hmm. but um, if I didn't know about the whole Korasami in the in the graphic novels. Um, I would have just thought that they were close friends holding hands, like, oh. They're just buddies. Like, yeah, like, oh, they're, they're just roommates. That's like they're the parents like in denial. Yeah, there, yeah. There um, were some people that swear up and down that in the original cut, they actually kiss, and then it panned up. I've seen like a fan that, edit. In that, well, yeah, that was a fan edit, and that's where it came from, but people were just like, is this the, uh, What's that theory? The the um, Mandela effect. They're like, is this the yeah. Mandela effect? Yeah. Uh, like, no. But uh, like, I I thought it was pretty clear from when I you know just watching when they just like let's go on a big. When I heard let's go on a vacation together, I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was just like that, huh? Huh. But no, there and was then, one. They there was a little bit of foreshadowing where Asami is like, "Oh, Cora, you look good," and Cora blushes. Blush. That's blushed. when I was like, yeah. "Which yeah. it just like it also shows how Cora is kind of like a product of a byproduct of its time because something like that was considered um, racy and unsuitable for kids. Like, could you imagine if it was made now?" how much more they would be able to show Korasami on the show rather than just in the graphic novels. Yeah. Yeah, and even in the graphic novels, like, they don't, it's, I mean, obviously, because it's still a kid's thing, obviously, it's pretty much like the same as Katara and, and Aang 
But one thing I don't like about Korosami in the graphic novels is it turns Asami more into a d- damsel in distress, and I think mm-hmm. that's a disservice to her character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also brings back Korra's bullheaded side. Because um, just to go in, into this is, uh, so how it pretty much worked out across the nations. Air Nation, don't care. Love who you love. Earth Kingdom, very stubborn. Don't really like it. Fire Nation, everything was cool until Sozin showed up, um, and then he outlawed it. Water Tribe, yeah, you can do it. Just keep it on the down low. We don't really want to know about it. Yeah, the Water Tribe was like, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. 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 And so one of the things that they showed was like right after they get back from their vacation and they tell Korra's parents, Korra's parents are very happy um, and very accepting. But one of the things Korra's dad said is just like, be careful who you tell right away because not everybody's going to be like this. And then Cora got right. angry, which is understandable, and then sort of stormed off with Asami. But it's just sort of like both sides had very valid points. And then Kaya was there, and she's like, oh, I'm gay too. And you're like, oh. Yeah, Kaya wasn't even told. She just sort of like, I don't think she was there when she told Tenzin. Kaya was just like, sort of saw them interacting together and then went and talked to Cora and was just like, been their kid <laughs> and Aang was very accepting she's just in the corner smoking a cigarette like <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do we have yeah. any uh, do how, we have... how would you rank all the seasons what would be your rankings for the for the Korra seasons oh season 2 at the top for sure oh yeah, yeah. like from worst to least uh, from yeah, from best to worst. From best to worst, um, three. I feel uh, three is the best. I feel like one and four are kind of the same level. Then two is the worst. If I had to pick, I'd probably put one above four. But I don't think I don't hate four. The gap between one and four is not that big, in my mm-hmm. opinion. What do you think, Crystal? Um, I would definitely say season three at the top. And, and then season four, um, specifically because, like, all the characters are established and they're able to go a little bit deeper into each character. Um, and then season one and then season two. Like, season one, it was really hard for me to finish. And that's the only reason why it's so low on the list. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's three one four two and i think why one edges out four is because uh my reactions especially the first time i watched it because with one it was just like okay who is amon who is this dude able to just like take people's bending away did the Mm -hmm. spirits really give it to him like ah and then um with season four like kuvira we met her at the end of season three she was very powerful she was forthright she was you know charismatic i thought that was very good but sort of like the um everything surrounding sort of like Kuvir and everything else was just sort of like eh, I didn't really you know like that as much but like you know Chris was saying the gap between one and four not that big I would say it's really maybe a bit more than a feather the gap between four and two huge um can I say something off topic a little go for yes. um so one thing, one comparison I do make for Legend, or I'm sorry, 
Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra is um, the art style, too. Mm. Um, like, Avatar is more um, is more American cartoon, and then when you get to Legend of Korra, um, they do bring in a lot more anime elements, like... Yeah. Yeah. When they when they show Korra reacting to Amon and how scared she is, and they do that um, screenshot or that zoom in of her face, or even when Korra is going through her poisoning as well, they do that zoom in of her face, and like that shows mm-hmm. the pinpoint eyes, and like the pain is a lot more visceral too because of that art style. Um, mm-hmm. So I do I do really enjoy that part of Legend of Korra. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can also see it in Mako and uh, Asami's character design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Asami is very mm-hmm. Ghibli-esque. Uh, wait, yeah. Studio Ghibli? Yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, like you were saying, Avatar Last Airbender is a lot more Americanized. Um, yeah, like the cartoon style is also more... Uh, sharper, like with Tenzin and Kaya. Granted, they're older, but excuse me, they actually have like corners to their faces in comparison to Avatar: The Last Airbender, where everything's rounded. Yeah, right. more chisel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also got a Cowboy Bebop uh, Easter yeah. egg. Where? Because Steve Bloom, who voiced um, both Amon, but he also voiced one of the prisoners in. Um, season four was I can't I can't re- it's been so long since I saw Cowboy Bebop uh but voiced um who's the main guy with the sharp hair who you talking uh, mm, mm, uh mm, it's been a while yeah um but basically he voiced him they pretty much just took like sort of that character model and sort of like roughed him up a bit and put him in season four as one of the prisoners that escaped the camps I did and not Steve know that. Bloom voiced him too so I was like, ah, oh, that's a cool shout out. Um, yeah, but. so you actually go to um, I forget the name of the website. I, I don't know if it's Know Your Voice, but like you find that there's there's only so many voice actors, and you'll get a lot of the same people in a lot of different stuff. Especially if you start watching like anime dubs and things like that, and cartoons. Like you'll see mm-hmm. a lot of the same actors play. They'll be typecast of similar characters and show up in a lot of Serena different stuff. With- Serena Williams, the tennis player, is in both Avatar Last Airbender and in The Legend of Korra. I don't know. How does she get that? Sorry. I, I don't know, but it, it's great. She has a really soothing voice, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so no. Um, Korra is, is a good show. It does take a lot of crap, and I think some of it is deserved, but it's not solely on the writers which uh it's more on nickelodeon that cut that show off at the kneecaps because for some reason they didn't believe in Korra, even though the huge reaction when avatar the last airbender came out throughout its entire run then years after and then the announcement that Korra was going to be a thing was huge and I think they just they put it in bad time slots, and then they didn't let the writers do what they want. I think so. it's likely because of the female protagonist. Yeah. Um, back then, you didn't see a lot of really strong female protagonists. Because they even, 
like they did a very common trope where they pitted the two women together against each other um, at the beginning of Korra. So I can see that being a reason why it didn't do as well as it could have. Mm-hmm. Actually, Crystal, it's good you said that because I did read something that that was part of the reason that they weren't super sold on the Nickelodeon wasn't super sold on Korra because they didn't think. They didn't think enough boys would watch a, watch a show with a female main character versus like if you have a main, a male main character, anybody will watch it. Which is just it's outdated, you know. Yeah. Obviously now, but like I think that was a mentality that you know the Suits had at Nickelodeon. You just did a well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I wasn't. No, I didn't mean it like that. I know it was well intentioned, but you just said <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ruin your point, but That's I just okay. thought that was really funny. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, so Nickelodeon obviously just sort of ruined what could have been. Honestly, they could have had a universe like Harry Potter mm-hmm. or Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings, and it could have been Nickelodeon's. But the live action sort of ruined that, which they shouldn't have done. Right. Um and then they sort of just screwed over Korra. Um, but we have the Kyoshi novels, which are great. Uh, that's fleshing things out. Honestly, the live-action TV show that Netflix is doing should honestly be the Kyoshi novels because given how they're structured and what happens in them, obviously, you know, animated, you can do a lot more with the fights, but I feel like the fighting in the novels is so much more contained that you can easily do without just destroying a budget. Um, but uh, I think I was saying at the before we started that I think the best Avatar comparison for Korra is not Aang because there's such different personalities. I think the best one is Kyoshi because they're both strong-willed. They're both stubborn. They're both very powerful benders. Um, in their own rights, but they excel at the physical aspect of bending. Um, Korra is just, you know, like that raw talent, and Kyoshi is extremely powerful. Um, and they both come into a world where the Avatar has sort of been gone for, you know, 10, 20 years. You know, in Kyoshi, they're searching for it, and Korra, she's, you know, sheltered away in the Southern Water Tribe. Um, and they come into a world where uh, no one's really needing the Avatar, but they want an Avatar. Um, and uh, it's sort of, I think it's a very good juxtaposition. It sort of sucks that they, like these are the two. I mean, you have Yang Chen, and we find out about her through you know some of the Kyoshi novels and some of the graphic novels. But as an airbender, she's already different from an earthbender or a waterbender because they're just so culturally um, different. But, you know, Korra's a good avatar. She's the best avatar? No. She's the worst avatar? No. That's Korra by far. Uh, my, my avatar rankings go Aang, Kyoshi, Yang Chen, Wan. Zito, Roku, Korra, Kurok. I'm glad that you know all the other ones' names, because I definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've read about them, but I don't know them by heart. I'm like, just going to go over to the Avatar wiki for a second. 
Uh, I think if they were to do another show, they probably could do a Kiyoshi show, and they can make it edgier if they wanted to. I mean, you could have several seasons on a Kiyoshi show, because she lived for 230 years. <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about, like... I mean, you don't... Well... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like with that, there's enough there where you don't have to mess with the lore all that much. Mm-hmm. You know? But... <sighs> We'll, uh, we'll see. Oh, any final thoughts on the legend of Korra? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good show. Not as good as Airbender, but it's a good show. And I mean, I've seen a lot of bad, like I said, I've seen a lot of bad anime. So, Korra's not even close to certain things that I've seen where it's just like, Power, friendship, no storyline, no development. I mean, I've seen, I've definitely seen worse shows. I just think people beat up on it because Airbender was just a tough act to follow. And you don't get shows like Airbender that often, you know, that were like good and like they also knew when to end. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times it shows either, either they either they end too soon, like they get canceled or they go on for too long. And people fall off. Mm-hmm. Right. I say that and I still watch One Piece. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Oda Sensei knows what he's doing. He does, yeah. Uh, Crystal, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, I think Legend of Korra did a really good job for uh, world building within mm-hmm. the Avatar universe. Um. I do, I do definitely agree with people that uh, Legend of Korra is for people going into the Avatar universe that are older, um, and that's why so many more older millennials like it a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I think the stories were really good. I just think it was a product of a station that didn't really believe in it, and it couldn't mm-hmm. go to, it couldn't become what it could have what it could have been, if that makes sense. Words, mouth, things. Yeah. For me, I think the best comparison I can make for the Avatar universe to another universe is that Avatar The Last Airbender is the original trilogy of Star Wars movies, <laughs> and Korra is the sequel trilogy. But the sequel trilogy is, op- is, is much worse in terms of this regard because New- Nickelodeon didn't Wars really today. believe in Korra, and so the writing, the overall game plan got sort of, they made it up as they went along, and once they got some traction, they were able to do more things, whereas the Star Wars sequel trilogy, they just didn't have a plan. Um, But Korra, they're still both watchable, they're still both enjoyable, but comparison is the thief of all joy. Um, So obviously, if you watch Korra and you loved Avatar, like, it's not going to be the same. Don't expect it right. to be the same. But also to the people that are just like, well, I wanted a show of grown-up Aang and his friends. Like, how, I'm honestly, like, as much as you want that, how of how fulfilling of a show would that have been? Because as powerful as a bender as Katara was, Aang as a fully realized Avatar, uh, Toph as powerful as she was, and Sokka as a master planner, and 
tactician. Like, yeah. who, who, who's gonna who's gonna beat them? Who's gonna be a, a challenge? You know, so you're just gonna see the politics of them, you know, making Republic City or something like that. That's not gonna be a fun show to see. I'd um, be okay with slice of life mini sods. I think I'd be okay with that too. Yeah. Okay, no shorts of showing Aang like raising the kids. Or like Aang posing for that picture that that one person did. <laughs> Air marbles. Yeah. Like uh, Chris. I mean, there people don't realize it, but they're almost asking for Boruto, you know. And that's not that's not what you want. I don't think people are like. Oh, I want to see them hang beat as parents and hang out with their kids. And I was like, sounds a lot better in theory and in fan fiction than in real life as a show. Because, like, Boruto has all the problems that you just mentioned. Yeah. Where all the main characters... Sorry. No, you're fine. I interrupted you. What were you saying? I was just going to say that, like, Boruto has an issue where it's, like, all the main characters are all way too strong and the villains aren't threatening because it's, like... Like, your dad's... Like, like the main character's dad is, like, a god. Like, what do you do do with that? So, yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Boruto's it. We didn't talk about Bork. Yeah, the, oh, that's honestly way too accurate. Oh my god. I can't unsee that now. <laughs> Alright. Well. That's all I have on that. Sorry. Crystal, <laughs> what, what was your uh, what was your point? Oh, I was just gonna say it's almost like um, ATLA is uh, your childhood how you're always like so nostalgic for your childhood but then um having ATLA as all adults would be like you're a, you as an adult right now. Like, do you really want to see a show of that? <laughs> R- Rugrats and all grown up. Oof. Oof. Yeah. It's a good example. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely had some preteen crushes, but still. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I don't want to see them going through what I'm going through. That's not fun. <laughs> Uh, Sokka with pimples. Oh, that would be a fun slice of life one too. Like he gets a big pimple before a big date with Suki. That's another thing. We don't find out. We don't see. We don't find out what happened to Suki, May, Tylee. Mm-hmm. Um, we we assume May is Zuko's mother, but it's not. Or Azumi's mother, but it's not stated. Also, Azumi. I don't think we've seen her. Zuko's daughter. She um, has. She has one line in season four. Yeah, and she's mentioned in season three. Yeah, she. I think her line was like, "Oh, th- like they asked her if she could bring her Fire Nation army to help fight Kuvera, and she's like, yeah, we're we're not going to do that.' Yeah, we won't attack them, but we will defend. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Korra's definitely a watchable show. I say watch it. There's definitely going to be things you're going to enjoy. Definitely things you're not going to like, but. It's a good show. Alrighty. I guess it's time for me uh, for me to close out. Uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of our podcast. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you all later. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal, for joining us. And, oh, oops. Uh, stay tuned for our next podcast. It's going to be a doozy. Like, Crystal, where can they find you? I'm kidding. <laughs> you know how the YouTubers do that? Where they're like, where can they like, where can they find you and all your work? My links will show up in the video of this podcast here and here. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for having me. 
Uh, right. Thank you for coming on. And you're always welcome back whenever.